You're listening to BAU, Business as Unusual, the podcast that is shifting the way we think, interact and transact. Mid-morning, Joe. Yes, it's a mid-morning, isn't it? Yeah. So, on a Friday. And it's autumn happening here, you can feel it. Feel um, the shift. You can feel the shift, mm. yeah. Um, so, the clutch is working, gears are moving, still on a cyclic sense, seasonal sense here in Victoria, yes. but it feels like still shambles, um, east coast of Australia in wow. terms of yeah, what's going on. So, once again, yeah, like, yeah, like it's... It's kind of like we're learning a new language, isn't it? To mm. to describe to describe these things in terms of, um, yeah, kind of you know, I certainly you know the use of unprecedented, I think, is really kind of run out of run out of steam. Whereas now, I think there's there's a sense that this is real, and this is not just a, a fluke or something that happens one one in a thousand years. And we're trying, I think, to come to terms with. Um, what we're actually facing reality yeah and in so many of those those things it feels like there's parts of all of this where if you look hard enough for it you can start to see some of the threads of where this where this may go so kind of coming out post-covid you start to see kind of that life probably is getting back to a level of normality but yet there's a clearly um, a huge shift in the way that people work and that's not you know in particular segments um Mm. you know in terms of kind of office workers knowledge workers technology workers that's never really going to change back to perhaps the way that it was yes there'll be some mid-ground that's achieved it won't be the extreme but the reality of people working um you know kind of dolly parton-esque isn't coming back the egg has been cracked and the the, egg's been cracked yeah Mm. a little bit of scramble going on but yeah the language i think you hit that so well in terms of facing the reality that is before us that has been brought upon us by actions Mm. and that piece has been really hard in a in a communications perspective to face up to the reality a lot of it's been around preventative but now it is like a it's a mix of like a reality that it's happening so it's semi-reactionary and there's still a preventative piece yes and it's uh obviously it's not reflected in our politics at the moment in terms of top politics i think grassroots politics it's there in community politics it's everywhere but in terms of presence and conversation it's trying to be avoided at the moment but it is a really hard piece to do yeah i remember working with an all climate sense and that is very much what they they do is making communities resilient to the climate change and what's happening the catastrophes trying to get a data set on certain urban environments to signal how resilient they are to certain climate increases whether it's flood or heat and they've now shifted just to predominantly heat and it's a hard sell because no one wanted to admit it but what the floods are doing here and around the world is really waking people up to the reality of that whether you were a believer or not it's it's knocking down your door it's not even knocking on it anymore Mm. yeah and it's and a lot of it's related to inequality so i think that's the other part that is clearly coming in into view Mm -hmm. is that it's disproportionate as you know as as most things are so you know kind of 
climate change, inflation, and you know, I think this this reset that's happening. You know, it's kind of like we've come out of um, a benign period in in some ways of kind of you know human human existence in in a way that kind of broadly started in 1950s and is kind of being carried through by now. Now, of course, there's been conflict. Of course, there's been things happening, but there is you know a world where kind of price inflation is starting starting to take off, and you know, yes, some of that is. Um, temporary, but a lot of it is actually about transition. It's about kind of transitioning into the reality that's underpinned by climate. So things like food security, things mm-hmm. like energy security, and things like kind of, I guess, um, you know, living wages are all going to become part of part of the conversation because it's it's actually what you're saying, Pat, is that the preventative piece of this is that food security, for example. So will we see food inflation here in Australia as a result of what happened? on the on the east coast absolutely right but that's also then compounded by the fact that at the moment 50 percent of um you know the kind of the world's kind of i guess of grain things like that comes out of an area that's in conflict which is the ukraine and the other piece that then is pinned into that is that changing diets the way that we actually eat at, at a at a top level of society are also pushing you know everyday food prices higher and higher but then you compound that with other issues around energy um you know kind of security etc the price of all of these inputs is getting higher and higher and higher so the cost arguably of climate and even in in um you know the kind of the um the Russian um, illegal invasion of Ukraine. You can argue that from an energy security perspective as well, is that this is all caught up in this. So the power of Russia is broadly through our dependence upon its oil and its natural gas in a European sense. And Europe has looked the other way but now can no longer look the other way because the price has become too high, i.e. if we don't face into what is going going on and this doesn't get contained, well, then this is, you know, the third world war to take place inside Europe. So, yes, there's been lots of other wars, but in a European context, it will be the third one contested inside their, inside their area. And that, that kind of comes into, you know, this reality that is now becoming bigger you know what we were talking about last week is becoming bigger than the mediums that have contained and broken apart people's realities so you know i think it's quite kind of um people might think donald trump was cute right in terms of kind of how he is actually portrayed or kind of it's this kind of it's almost like a laugh track to one side and but yet a kind of lived reality to others but when you put that up against true kind of autocracy and you look at what's happening in places you know in the ukraine you clearly see that there is a big difference between those two things and then i think it becomes a bigger issue around our way of life is actually under threat in areas like this and people are waking up to it yeah there's a lot to unpack in there joey mm. um and it's true you've done a great synopsis on where we are as mm. as a global community especially with Euro- european centric but given the, the state of play where where a lot of the power brokers exist it is around that that area and china's not too far away exactly in india as well so it's all starting to shift and things are starting to move and it is centered around energy and food resources and these new sort of grabs of or a lot more overt grabs than how they used to be, I think. Um, Absolutely. And really testing the waters. But another one 
in there is on, on top of that inflation is adjusting to just how much extra money has been put into the economy so mm-hmm. that's just there's this big injection that's come from nowhere and where that's being captured is another conversation but there's so much extra surplus to what was here two years ago hmm. that has to be reflected in prices um, and then there's just change coming i don't know if people across the story it's hard to get full head around what's going on but you've got mike cannon brooks trying to buy australia's biggest um coal producer and burner so energy here in australia that being vetoed our government who loves coal brings it into parliament like it's his little pet poodle is it called coley that's yeah. the question yeah. <laughs> Probably. Uh, probably. Yeah. So yeah. ScoMo celebrated when Santa brought coal to his sack. Well, I reckon he did. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't want that tradition ruined. But he was going to veto that being bought by Atlassian under uncompetitive behavior in terms of Atlassian owning sort of yeah. power producing. But I don't know what was really... I think there's a lot going under there. Mm. Um but where we sit now is everyone's talking about oil, oils through the roof. Yeah. What it all means and where, how we actually transition, I think, is another podcast. Like, how do we, how's that all going to play out? Food, as you touch on, is changing yep. the way people eat, the mm. way we consume, the way we see food, what food is. Population globally isn't necessarily going as fast as it used to. It is yep. actually slowing down, which gives some headway to yep. the way we change food um, systems. And there's some great thought around that. But we are losing topsoil at a ridiculous rate. So change has to happen. It does. Um, But I suppose the big thought that I wanted to bring in here, taking off the back of last week, was Mm. how do we do this when we live in an ecosystem of where we connect? If it's knowledge-based and everyone's skin in the game or interest in the game to Mm. learn more, Mm. those sort of systems online seem to work really well. Yeah, but when it's conversation and debate, we all go into our micro tunnels and dig deeper and deeper and hear nothing except the thing, our own echoes, our own breath. Yeah, um, that seems to be the biggest problem, and that is a huge problem that's happening in in Russia. And hearing there's some interesting people doing pieces in Russia, trying to get information out and let people know what's going on there. They're a well-oiled propaganda machine. Absolutely, and mm. the stats on that it's a backed war, and then the actual impacts of these sanctions of what's going on sort of points to a pretty heavily armored in the end. If it Mm. continues for a long time, you're going to have a country who's galvanized by sanctions. Yeah. So the information war there is... Well, I mean, I think that the thing that's in that is exactly what you're talking about. It It is a war of information. I guess the point I was making off the top is that there's these things that we took for granted that are now mm. becoming undeniable. So in in the fact that they're actually becoming existential, is i.e. they're in everything and they actually pose risk and threat, that is by its very nature, um, it cuts through, right? So it cuts through everyone because everyone experiences it. So, you know, gas prices are interesting because they're actually, they're an inf- it's not really net-net. Um, depends on how you drive, what you drive, etc. There's ways to mitigate against that, but as a as a signal of inflation, they are massive because everyone sees the price of the pump, and you see kind of um, fuel go through two dollars a liter. You start to ask questions about the kind of the world that we're actually actually living in. But in that, it's then about kind of where the response goes from here. 
I think what's interesting about Russia in the long term is that the information asymmetry that they're actually living within, they will start to experience the consequences of it. So it becomes undeniable, right? And this is what I think is interesting about some Western um, countries. It's not just virtue signaling like Russia. I mean, yes, it's a small economy in context to its um, global influence. Um that said, though, it's still the 12th biggest or 11th biggest, something like that economy in terms of at a country level in the world. So pulling out of countries like that. So if you're an everyday um, person living in Moscow or St. Petersburg and then McDonald's is closed, it does send a message that you have to start to think about a little bit in terms of where you're actually actually at and the fact you can't outside of your country travel anymore. But then the question becomes for a lot of these people is exactly what we're talking about is that do they exit their own funnel because it becomes existential for them or do they actually stay stay in in space all right and i mean north korea would tell you that an entire population broadly knows kind of what's going on around them but they don't have a lot of choice choice to leave um but that said the the kind of the truth of what's actually shared shared with them is a different truth than the one we experience but at a societal level in the west the clarity I haven't really seen clarity like this from Western democracies in an awful long time mm. in terms of that this is what we stand for. But this is what breaks me out mm. is the sanction approach and that clarity because mm. just how oiled that propaganda machine is, how well they know how to pull the levers and no. drop the lever. You can just see a country getting... I think there's a lot of people in Russia who do not agree and want to no. buy the Big Mac or, you know, no. want to participate in the global economy and want to participate want to and free. understand that mm. Ukrainian is a brother, a sister, a mother, a daughter, yep. and they really believe in that. But then there's also other people who are being fed the, the rage machine mm. and these sanctions are only going to fuel that rage machine. Sure. So it's... Yeah. I don't know, I'm not trying to say it's right or wrong, but it's just what that is going to do is really sort of fueling up for a war in a, in a lot of ways. Of course, of course. And it, that's what I yeah. can't help but feel that is no. sort of what is being asked. But, but that's existentialism, isn't it? So, like, I think it's the, the thing that I take, you know, and I don't take comfort in it, I just take from it, is that what is is happening on both sides is that, you know, I think as we were talking about last time is that, online it's very very difficult for queuing to exist mm. right and what i mean by queuing is that it in a, in a conversation just a very simple kind of visual metaphor for that do you lean in do you pull back is is queuing around your level of interest or your level of comfort or what it triggers triggers for you every human whether they're conscious of that or not understands what that means mm. but what we're doing with this is it's queuing on both on both sides so you know putin you know says we still have nuclear weapons the the U.S. and the Western allies in return put more troops on the border saying we still have a lot more gear than you do. And there's this this stuff that's happening on both both sides about a balance about a balancing act. Right. And in terms of they're both queuing back and forward, it's arguably when that stops and then they stop queuing and actually start acting, which is a large part of the issue um, that kind of, I think, happens more even online. And what I think, you know, there's no cues really online to that sort of stuff. So people just act from from a point of anger versus a point of point of restraint. And I think that's, you know, at a at a kind of conflict level, that's actually what's playing out at, at the moment is this idea that, okay, you have you have toys, I have toys, we could go at it 
everyone's going to actually lose, but they're trying to figure out just by kind of like going, this is what we have. This is what we have. Um, of course, it plays out on a country, which is awful, but that is actually what's happening is that people are able to pick up at the moment those cues because the signaling is so strong um, back, you know, both ways. And I, my kind of, I guess, worry in the long term is that it's kind of that stuff's okay, but it's when it then starts to turn into genuine action that you see these, this stuff happen. And coming back to the idea of in an online kind of world, it's that's easier than what you're seeing in kind of an, in an offline world. So Russia's cut off mm. the online world, right? To to any of this. So if you're in Russia, you wouldn't know, but you know by the nature of the signal, the fact that you get no more Facebook and Twitter, right? So that's what I'm interested in. Is kind of like the cue from the government in Russia is that well, we just turn off the online stuff that we don't like. Yeah. Right. Turn off and turn off the protests. So yeah. Yeah, and then the West has never been more galvanized. Well, in a way. Yeah. In a way. For a long time. Mm. Yeah. It's a it's a funny space to come from that conversation of understanding online, offline, and then put it in a geopolitical space and see that there mm. has been an online warfare to be... It is argued that there has been yeah. going on for a long time. Absolutely. And as you so well say there, it's now gone offline mm. and people are trying to get the signal of what the hell's going on. It mm. makes for... Yeah a lot of conversation around it and people trying to understand it but i don't think many people are privy to the real real realities of what is what is playing yeah. out and where it's going to go yeah um yeah listening to conversations of analysts who have made a whole career out of this tension mm. out of this signaling and it's just wild first one thing that mm. you can make a living out of looking at this and assessing this and understanding this mm. and then two that Semi, this is the peak of their career, which is another weird thing because it's finally happening. Yep. And then to hear what they're saying on top of that Hmm. um, and to hear some people say the only way to stop it is fight and then to hear there's still a softer side coming from maybe a UK perspective, Hmm. um, countries that are a lot further away but in Europe further away from the conflict saying, no, we've got to keep... Yeah, you hold the line. Hold the line. Hmm. Um, I don't know, I was listening to the yeah. person who was holding very much the conflict thing and it, it sounds like that's where it's heading. But yeah, as you say, I think people are still trying to figure it out on a, on a government and a military sense, what the hell's going on and what is mm. being, what's Putin capable of um, and what, where is this going to go? And I definitely yeah. don't have the answers to that. No, no, no. I, no but no, it's no, strange no. in terms of our conversation, taking that on and offline. Yep. What do you reckon? So we'd try and take it away from Russia unless you want to go there. No. If we did that human to human, so somehow yep. um, online Twitter was down, everything was down and we've gone back. Hmm. And I suppose we're just very locked in place again. Well, but you see, but yes, you, that's true. And But I think a way that you can kind of draw parallels is kind of like, so the lived COVID experience, which was broadly online. And I think, a lot of that in terms of kind of what was existential or what cut through for a lot of people was just the change and the fear, right? So Mm. the kind of the fear of what this disease represented and what, and then the effects, like if you kind of talk about like everyone in terms of, it was a burden for a lot of people, but the burden was actually being locked in place and feeling like you lost your freedom, right? And you actually had to be fearful to do things that you took in every single day. So 
and I think, but then the, the online stuff that played out of all of that was that everyone had that, but then the discourse online in the main, because that's how everyone was communicating, became about vax, non-vax, kind of government interference, not government interference, which is not really what you take from that versus when you look at something like the floods that are happening in New South Wales and Queensland, that is a physical lived experience mm. for community. And what they're quite united around is that they didn't actually get enough support, you know, in going through that. And then, you know, I mean, governments then come in and say, well, it's impossible, which is true. It's impossible to react in the, in, against a natural disaster at that level. It's, you know, no one would have seen that coming and they didn't see that, see that coming, but this is the new normal that we're, that we're stepping in to but in that i would think that that kind of that lived experience that's shared and going through all of that people have we're going to have that experience but then the debate online you can already see people starting to look for the angle around is it about preparedness is it about where they mm. live is it about inequality it's arguably it's about all of those things were present present in that space and this is i think what happens is that the fragmentation of that 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 community's lived experience is probably actually going to be exactly like a lot of people seeing with covid but much more extreme incredibly fearful and my life is completely disrupted mm. that is a very very unifying space for anyone you can relate to each other through that experience and you can try to support people through that but then when it comes to apportioning blame who's to blame for all of this that's where it gets really really muddy and well said. what's the next step you're listening to bau business as unusual the podcast that is shifting the way we think interact and transact your hosts patrick begs a per production a production house that works with organisations to create media that strengthens culture and communicates that culture to the world. And Joe Rogers, CEO of The Contenders, a brand agency famous for crafting brands which deliver results for those who work for them, shop for them and support them. For more information, head to baupod.co. And if you find this podcast insightful, please help us by telling a friend and rating us on iTunes. Thank you. Now back to our conversations. What is the next step? I think having a climate policy is one, but yeah, that's, that's me. A, that's, a good, that's a good next step. That's but a we good still don't step. have one. So we don't. That, no. So there's one point in, like, there's so many points in there, and that great point about attributing blame yeah. and everything, and that galvanizing of a community through shared experience is massive of a flood. <laughs> and everyone can sit that point and say that this is a redu- result of climate change. The climate mm. is changing. Yeah. They said this is a one in a, once a millennia flood. It's happened twice in a decade. Yeah. So the argument is that it has been foreseen. People have said that it has, it is coming. Mm. And the fact that we don't have a climate policy does start to lift a finger somewhere yep um where that is 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 another question whether it's systemic in australian politics global politics whether it is sitting at a party whether it's sitting wherever it's sitting it's sitting somewhere or maybe collectively amongst us all but that that where does that energy go is an interesting one around that blame and where to take yeah yeah and i find it i find it that i mean i I look at it through 
I think we all know, right? And even like the science and even like even governments have agreed that this is a problem, mm. right? So, I mean, you kind of only have to look at the IPCC stuff. Everyone agrees that this is, is an but issue. But then you get commentators come out and say, well, if you live in the gum trees. <laughs> yeah, that's what No, I know. But this is what I mean is yeah. like the, the divisive nature of that. So, if we all agree that we're, this is going to, this is happening. Yeah. I think then the blame becomes about who should do what mm. rather than, you know. So, I that's think, step forward. Yeah, it's it's actually yeah. a step forward. And then it's you get into this whole world that I think exists, you know, and it's arguably it's become replicated online, which freaks me out, mm-hmm. is that we live in a world quite often, even inside communities of vested vested interest right in terms of people have all of these perspectives but when something gigantic like a flood comes through there is always a reassessment because there's a lived lived experience but i think what it's going to take ultimately is kind of these things at this scale to actually force us to change because then the vested interests start to realign right so if you make the argument for rebuilding in a place like Lismore for example now Lismore is it's a it's a river valley and it always has been the truth of Lismore is actually you only have to look at medium income it is a disadvantaged area of our country right and people have little to no choice they're surrounded now by wealth and affluence about where to actually live so that's the issue right I mean if you tell me would you rather live up on a hill safe from all of this and you can pay the same price or you can live down here where you're going to be floating every single year possibly and at some level there's always a there's always a flood event there's always a flood event in lismore every time it rains right it's just it's the severity and that's where i kind of find that these interests now start to align because you know you can't insure it government can't in good conscience sign off on a on a rebuilding program against something they now actually experience in, in reality and the reality is is that this is a story of inequality and it's actually about helping and supporting these people to live somewhere that is safer more prosperous more fulfilling mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of where this narrative starts to take, but it's how we get there that is so much of oh. the issue in our in our lives. And you only have to see this through example the the bushfires here in Victoria. The bushfires, you know, black, um, you know, kind of the the kind of not just Saturday, but Black Weekend. It um, you know, has changed. So that has changed planning law. Mm. It has changed building code. It has changed the way that we respond through our services, etc. But it took. 100 plus Victorians losing their lives and thousands more scarred for life to drive that change. And that's, it's going to be the same with this is, mm. is my sense. So you have to look around the corner and go, what does it take? It takes this, right? Mm. So for Melbourne to take seriously the fact that it is also based in a floodplain or um, people in Florida to realize that they broadly actually live below seed level. Um, these are, it takes them getting it's some ways wrecked for people to move on. Mm. Yeah. It's well said. Well said on the inequality piece. I think that's something that doesn't get picked up enough. And it's something that's so pronounced and has been even... It was in capitals. Yep. And then I don't even know what the next step of capitals and then it's gone further. And if you were to write it in terms of what's happened, yeah, where that next piece goes and hmm. whether people are actually hurting that or whether they get... It could become way more problematic because yep. moving people who are connected to place is so hard yep. and so emotional. Sure. It's going to be the framework in terms of governance. That's what always comes back to me. That's where the opportunity is for something yep. great to happen. But 
we all know it's always pretty on paper but i think what the community broadly would say in a place like lismore is that we love living here but we also understand that there's part because it's not lismore it's parts of of lismore so and that's the part that you kind of you know i think you have to take from from situations like this is that flooding in that particular area has always existed it's it's now a severity um piece in terms Mm of how much is actually actually going under each time this actually actually happens and so the community itself i think if it spoke if they're actually listened to would be saying that i came here because i couldn't live anywhere else my family's from here i've grown up here and this is where i belong and that should be respected but then it's about land and it's kind of about going okay that's great so we actually need to relook at you know how lismore is sited what parts are available what parts are left to the floodplain however that actually is and try to imagine a world that looks like that where this happens more and more frequently yeah. and how to let people exist safely yeah. um and have control because that's yeah. the hardest thing on hearts go out to people in community mm. like that and just feel life is so out of control and then mm. to I suppose be hit without hard reality rebuild but then mm. this is the second flood that's happened so recently and yeah. like people experiencing this sense of loss for the second time in their lifetime yeah, and they'll probably just build a dam, which is frightening, oh, you know. But that's that's and spin it as an energy. Yeah, maker. And, yeah. When it floods, we get lots of energy. <laughs> lots of energy. But we don't capture the energy; we just get lots of energy. <laughs> exactly. It's just like energy. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I do, I do worry at, at that level that the, the policy, the policy framework becomes a little bit narrow in, in perhaps. But the main point, at least on on my side of this, I'm trying to make, mm. I think, is that it takes things like this to actually cut through the noise because you can't you can't not see it for for what it is but then in choice what often happens is that people start to look away again for right sure. and that's that's ultimately what doesn't but help. we'll keep experiencing this yeah right so it's get you get used to it right yeah. you know and yes and we get used our to dry, it. wet season well, it's not though, is it? It is El Nino. So, like, <laughs> yeah. like in terms of our cycles that exist here, yeah, not just like one. No, no, I know what you mean. Yeah, I, I think what I'd say though is that this is not La Nina. This is not what it historically has done. Oh, but it's built on top of that, so yeah. it's going to be wet or severely it's be wet. wet already. Like severely, severely wet or severely yeah. dry, dry, dry yeah. heat, big winds. Yeah, exactly. Rip the top off your your garden. Yeah, and arguably Victoria has probably never had a more settled summer, right? It's been terrible for surf, but it's been it's been broadly quite comfortable. Mm. You know, in terms of we haven't had those extremes, those kind of those wind-driven events. The thing that's very different in the moment in our climate is that these systems that used to come on shore once are now going mm. back out to sea because it's actually warmer. The ocean water is warmer. Mm. The air temperature is warmer. So therefore there is more moisture. And that is not La Nina. That is a warmed climate. And so when you think about it exactly to your point, it then goes the other way, right? So these dries that we actually get in Australia are going to become more and more severe, mm-hmm. right? So this is so much of what they said would occur. Right? Yeah. I'm just going to bring up an interesting point that I read the other day and that was like we point the finger over at Russia getting quite um, closed off, but mm. we just had ScoMo 
say that no media can follow him in Lismore when he visited Lismore. So mm. for context, for people who don't know very much what's going on, Skoma, our Prime Minister, hasn't visited Lismore, which is, as we've just discussed, been devastated by a flood. Mm. And there's a lot of angry people there who want to voice their concern. And as we touch on that again, we haven't had climate policy um, mm. for a very long, ever. No. <laughs> Here we are. And now media can't follow Skoma and take pictures of him being yeah. confronted because we all know what happened when the fires happened in New South Wales and he went to and media Hawaii followed him hmm. and he went to Hawaii but like the fact that they're starting to allow those measures I don't no. I, that is very worrying it is and it's just like oh yes of course Gomo doesn't want photos there because he's a freaking idiot yeah and but he still gets photos taken I saw him sweeping a basketball court with a mop yeah, yeah. what a muppet yeah but a I love the Australian character, and this is where people just know he's a muffet. We've done nothing about it. He's a muffet. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't disagree with the the but analysis. That but the censorship is just. But the causes of it, Pat, I think, are what you're talking about, yeah. right? Which is that the the thing about kind of where we where we exist now in those in those spaces is that he's he's more worried about how that gets broadcast yeah. to the world rather than exactly. understanding the actual needs of the community that is actually actually sitting in there and that's that's a framework that has actually brought us here right mm. so this kind of this growth of image the individuality the need to have your own perspective and actually kind of stand behind that the instagramming of life right because it's it's no so it's true. like my point on like the flood recovery is like so a lot of people have gone to help right which is great but that's not an instagrammable story yeah. right that's actually another trauma in some ways that's been put across this um this community right so you in know, terms of people getting the grab in saying i'm helping out is that yeah it's like on? the yeah. selfie with so like, like a small version of scoma it's exactly the same thing and yeah. it's but it obviously be lending a little up. bit more of a hand but still yeah same, probably being more helpful merit probably being more helpful but actually scomo going there and saying look we're going to give a whole bunch of money and stuff is probably more helpful in in the long term you could argue but that is that is our response framework to these these types of things and yes there's stuff that they can do but then the the instagramming of that i mean how would you feel it's literally your house that has just been flooded out you've got people coming to help but then the story and the narrative of like all of your stuff that you loved and adored and actually helped define you as a human being is now on display with someone like me going i'm here helping like it's just a bit shit in terms of where we've come to in terms of that you know it's no longer you know if a tree falls in the woods and no one's around therefore did it fall it's actually if you go to help and you don't put it up on instagram did you help and that i think is kind of when i talk about like these existential events that happen the worry then becomes is that we still we still make our little worm tunnel around our individual experience of all of that right we still go and make it right we make it through the selfie we make it through this and when you look you know you just put in hashtag lismore and you actually look at kind of what's actually been framed up and all of that it's all smart it's all smiling faces to camera with a disaster behind it and that is fucked in terms of where that actually actually lands whereas the true issue that is going on is that this community in this space actually can no longer re go back to the way that it actually was and how do we have an intelligent conversation out of that and going in and serving that community is exactly that but doing it in a way that is reverent to what they've actually experienced i mean i would probably just be giving them my phone to call 
people they love, right? If you could kind of actually get reception or if you could actually kind of get stuff going through, but yet we kind of go, I'm going to capture that. It's a bit, yeah. It's off. It's off. It's off. Mm. Yeah. It's a, uh, well, once again, I think Joey's on today, but it's a horrible reality to a lot of people living in just that culture blend of on and offline and, and sort of vindicating that you're a helpful person by uploading it to social media then going and getting another latte because that was exhausting. Yeah, just it's be a helpful person. sort of where we landed and I think we've just forgotten how to do that and it's a, yeah. it's a horrible... It's a strange it's thing. It's a strange conundrum yeah. where we're sitting but yeah. I think we can get pretty dark and heavy here but then we do look at say fires happened in 2010 I think it was Black mm-hmm. Saturday in Victoria and going up to King Lake and how that community is now is very strong yeah um, got a very strong sense of place and a strong sense of reality about what is around them and it's and, more resilient and it is way more resilient and they had happen. some horrible stuff going on in that yep. community they not did. only did you have people doing the gram and everything it wasn't a strong van but mm. you had some terrible stuff that comes in a disaster where predators are coming in and stealing stuff and yep. you know and that really does take attention and we live in an attention economy so there's that friction point on what you're hitting is mm. there is in my mind a weird way mm. that the Instagram feed actually benefits the cause oh, in totally. a horrible way. It totally does. And mm. that smiling face introduces mm. the disaster to someone's family who have no idea about it. No or doubt. they've listened to the Muppet say, mm. it's not a natural disaster. Yeah. And then they go, hang on a minute. My cousin's there and it does look like it. Even though they're smiling. Oh, the, the, But I can yeah. see what's behind there. Correct. So it's such a catch-22. But I think that. it is. I think that's that's probably what I'm trying to trying to say, and that's well said. Is that it is it is a catch twenty two, you know. But if you've ever kind of read Joseph Heller's book, which I know you have, is that kind of like what he actually speaks about is basically, are we get caught in our own yeah. catch twenty two, and I think that the trick of all of this is to kind of think actually be aware that we catch ourselves, right? So the existential issue to us all is climate. The catch that we're actually in is that becomes individualized. And in doing that, the the kind of, I guess, the voice of the people gets actually lost, Diminished. right? And we all end up, you know, like you're for coal, I'm for gas, you're for solar, you're for wind. Whereas the real issue is, is that kind of all of that stuff is going to be important as we, as we get through all of this. But we don't want... I don't want to live through a Lismore experience. No one does. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the stuff. And it's just no different with Russia. It's that, you know, this is happening. This is what autocracy looks like, right? Particularly when there's something going on inside that autocracy. It's one person making the call who controls the whole thing. And when they do, that's a very, very bad thing. So checks and balances in whatever society, however you form that pretty important Mm -hmm. so that's the kind of stuff that i think you kind of get awakened to but then we all kind of break break apart again and like i don't have an answer to that Mm -hmm. but i think it's just you have to know that that's what occurs well said you have to know that occurs and where we are to understand what we are in Mm -hmm. yeah thick mud thick mud yeah Yeah. it's a good place to leave it so Yeah, like it does, you know, I think that's the emotional part of all of this is like the the emotion quite quickly goes from, I don't know, like a, a an immediacy fear to really what we should be very, very systemic, fearful yeah. about is that this should be a systemic issue. We should be afraid of what's coming. Yeah, we should and we should be actioning things. But for some mm. reason, we just haven't. It's still natural disaster by natural disaster, mm. area by area, things are changing. Yeah. 
but you have to decide that right as humans i mean like we'll we'll probably have to close on this but it's yeah. that's our that's our choice yeah. like it's you know and it's probably more human to learn disaster by disaster to get to a systemic thing is kind of what you start to realize is that these things play out everywhere but over time people adjust and adapt but they tend to do it based out of an experience well said it's a hard reality but it's, it's yeah. a reality all right well till next time pat till next time john thank you for listening to bau business as unusual Subscribe and learn more at baupod.co. That's baupod.co.